0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Hi Cardinal fans, I'm Ozzie Smith. Smith, corks one in the right, down the line, it may go! And you're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy folks, go
2: crazy! Here's your host, Brent McMillan. Hello, welcome. Final episode, weekly episode at least, of the 2018 season. My name is Brett McMillan, glad as always to be coming to you from the Writers' Press Box, fourth level here at Bush Stadium. We've still got a few winter episodes left to go in 2018, technically, but this is the last one that will come out on a weekly basis until spring training. Hard to believe the baseball season is over, of course. uh, Not turning out quite the way that we had hoped in 2018. But with that in mind, time to turn the page and look at next season, 2019. And I thought, what better way, really, to think about the future than to speak with the Cardinals scouting director, that is Randy Flores. He is the guest today. Randy sat down with me for a Cardinals Insider TV piece back in August. And we can only generally, when we do those kind of sit-downs, I know we did one with Mo earlier this year. We've done them with Michael Gersh in the past. Or maybe uh, Stan McNeil from the magazine will do something with someone uh, that it usually stretches, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Well, the nature of the beast with television is that I can only get two to probably four minutes of that into the Cardinals Insider TV show, which if you're not familiar with that, it runs 30 episodes, just about as much as the podcast. And it is available on TV stations throughout the Midwest and on Fox Sports Midwest all summer. It runs. So what we do with that audio is after we talk to those people, sometimes I like to just bring you the whole thing here in the podcast because, hey, why not? It's a conversation, and we can't use it all on TV, so I would love for you to get to hear it here, and that's what we'll do today with Randy Flores. Just a a little bit of a programming note. We did record this, like I said, back in August, and we were in the Champions Club, the day of the Ed Sheeran concert, actually. So there's a sound check during the latter part of the interview. It's not the person in the car next to you, getting their bass going in the music, uh, it, it is actually in the podcast. You'll still be able to hear everything clearly, but just wanted you to know that, uh, yeah, it's not, not something coming from the house next door. It is, in fact, the, the sound check for Ed Sheeran that's kind of creeping in at the end. During the interview, we cover a lot of ground. We talk uh, about Nolan Gorman. He was the Cardinals' first-round pick in the 2018 entry draft out of Phoenix, Arizona, a high school kid, and just had an absolutely stellar first season in pro ball. Slugged 570, 17 homers, 44 RBI in 63 games. He was at both Peoria and Johnson City this year. In my estimation, I don't know how he could have had a much better season in his first venture into professional baseball. He was really good. Uh, Did exactly, I think, again, just kind of my thought, but what else could you want from a 17-, 18-year-old kid that's supposed to have a really great bat than to come out and show it Early in his professional career, and now it's just about polishing and building up different areas of his game on offense and I'm sure on defense too, but trying to get him to where he can be major league ready. But he has taken a great first step. Randy will weigh in on Nolan in just a moment. Our conversation also talks about Flo's path within the game. He started out as a pitcher, won a World Series in 2006 with the Cardinals, and now he's a member of the front office and a big job as scouting director. We talk about how he got there, how he balances analytics and scouting, and also what he appreciates about his boss, John Mosaylock, a guy that he played for. And as he'll tell you, he was released by and a guy that he now works for uh, closely in, as the scouting director and making sure that the talent that the organization needs to win ball games is there on the field. Randy, an interesting perspective on that relationship with Mo. It was a question that I definitely knew I wanted to ask him, and I felt like his answer really delivered, and to me as a fan was very uh, engaging and interesting. I got a lot out of it, and I hope that you do. Randy's group, responsible for putting talent on the field, so you can see it every summer, including this upcoming year. And we'd love if you would put the fun back in fundraising with the Cardinals group ticket program. Group tickets offer a significant savings off the regular ticket price, and they can include a variety of on-field experiences. Let me tell you, if you've never been on the field during batting practice, seeing that ball at that level come off the bat, it's pretty unbelievable. That alone would be worth it. You can learn how your company, school, organization, what have you, can benefit with group tickets at cardinals.com slash groups. All righty, let's rock and roll. Randy Flores is our guest talking career and all things scouting. Right now, on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Well, let's start off with just uh, what you do on a day-to-day basis. People see you around the draft, but there's so much more that goes into your job. How do you describe what you do for the average fan?
0: Yeah, so look, as the scouting director, my job is to uh, lead and direct the people in process that culminate in our draft picks, uh, rounds 1 through 40. And so that doesn't turn into a springtime job. It's a year-round job of managing about 25 boots-on-ground scouts uh, uh, along with um, our baseball development office and and serving as a liaison between the eyes of our scouts, uh, the analytics that are tracking uh, the performance metrics, and then then combining those in a way to make good decisions in split-second moments as those draft picks come up.
2: You've got a background playing, private sector a little bit with baseball analytics. At what point did you know that you
0: wanted this kind of role in the game? You know, it's funny you say that. Um, People would ask when I was playing, like, do do you want to work in a front office someday? And my answer would be, sure, yeah. And I also want to be a rock star, and I want to be an astronaut, You know, and I want to do lots of cool things. Uh, Knowing that the path to that was something that didn't seem foreseeable for me in, in the near term. Uh, What I did know, though, uh, when I got done playing is that I wanted to work in sports in some capacity. Um, And I wanted to combine my interest in the business side of the world with sports. And so um, when I got done playing, I moved my two daughters and wife from Arizona to California, uh, and I enrolled in graduate school. And so I went to full-time graduate school at night, University of Southern California, serving as a graduate assistant during the day in the student athlete academic services center and kind of embarking on, on being awakened to what was happening uh, in the business world and technology space in the 15 years that I was playing baseball and trying to catch up let's just say from living in a bubble for those 15 years. That then led uh, to a number of, of experiences uh, that, that, that served vital into getting up to speed with the role I have now.
2: You've got a unique perspective. I mean, it's it's hard to make the big leagues as a player, and I imagine it, it might even be even harder, like you alluded to, to make it into this kind of role. What, what was more difficult in your mind?
0: You know what, you say something that my boss, uh, Mo says also, is like, you know it's harder to do to get your job that you have now than it was to play. Uh, because he's done everything in this game, and, and he's seen uh, the countless resumes stacked on, on his desk and the pings in his email for people trying to get in this game. And so right away, he let me feel the the, the responsibility and, and the luck, actually, to, to have this role. Um, and so I do feel really, I mean, look, I, I, I'm tethered to the St. Louis Cardinals in two different ways. One as a player, dogpiling there behind us on the mound in 2006. And now to be... Uh, involved in baseball operations in a capacity uh, that impacts whether or not we have new players to dogpile on that mound Is something that i'm extremely lucky and grateful for
2: among the fans at least it's kind of this constant debate the eye test old school quote unquote baseball and analytics as a guy who kind of charged the course for the organization how do you balance those two and make sure that you you marry them in a way that gets the best players here to st
0: louis yeah i think you said that the right way marrying them and that's something that all 30 clubs are embarking on their own path to how to best marry that uh, here we have a healthy appreciation for uh, the human element and the boots on ground and and, and and all of the things that eyes and a network uh, provide uh, that analytics can't. That being said, uh, analytics, and in, in, in the definition of analytics is even changing now from just between the lines performance to those um, in, uh, in uh, you know, cognitive assessment um, and also into medical assessment. Uh, those are all facts that need to be integrated into a decision um, that that to ignore the analytical component uh, or to relegate it to the sideline would be uh, a mistake.
2: The fact that you played this game at its highest level, when you look at a guy now, how do you think that experience that you had winning a World Series, pitching here, how does that maybe help you look at it in a way that someone who didn't have that experience mm-hmm. wouldn't?
0: You know, I think it's minimal, uh, candidly. There's not enough hours in the day, there's not enough calendar days to be able to see all 40 draft picks that we pick, much less the pool of a thousand players that are selected by someone. Uh, and so th- there, th- to-, to say that playing uh, allows me to manage that process uh, would be incorrect. That being said, when I am scouting and put a scouting hat eyes and, and i am evaluating in person, um, because I played, or more actually because I was involved in the game and paid attention, um, I'm able to recall a wide range of body types um, and skill sets that are able to contribute on a major league field. You know, me who's scratched and clawed to exist in a big league diamond, um, versus Adam Wainwright who's still playing even today. Uh, Scott Rowland at third base, or David Eckstein at shortstop. And so, it's having an appreciation uh, for the range of, of bodies and the range of skills uh, that can contribute between the lines. And I just want to be careful of that playing allowed me to build that Rolodex, but I don't believe you have to play to build that Rolodex.
2: I've heard players say before, they're hungry to win the whole thing before they win, but after they've gone there, they're even more hungry. For you as an executive in what you do now, how did winning an 06 as a player motivate you to know you know what you're trying to build today in, in scouting?
0: Yeah, you know what, everyone in baseball operations is motivated and so again, I don't want to pretend that you have to play to be motivated. But what that did give me an appreciation for, you know, dogpiling on that mound and having the fireworks go off here in Busch Stadium and seeing this city uh, on a World Series parade, it it brings um, an awareness of how important this team is to the city and how important this city is to this team. And and to realize that it's not just about your A to B competition on the mound to batter, it's about um, this, this community. And now in this seat, it's a, it's a weighty responsibility to realize that the magnets picked, the players chosen, the process managed, the people evaluating are all contributing to the next generation of players to help contribute to the same magical feeling I was lucky enough to.
2: There's a photo in the press box here of that 06 team after you all had won, and you see guys like Pujols and Roland and Edmonds, Molina, Wayno, yeah. and yourself standing there in the background. That's got to be a little weird to have gone from sharing a clubhouse with some guys like Yachty and Wayno, and, and now you're watching them on the field. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was, I mean, what was the toughest part of that evolution, just emotionally, going from watching them from the yep. bullpen to, to watching them now?
0: You know what? I, I admit peace with the fact that my playing career ended the way it did. It was really a dream come true to go from a senior sign with very little signing bonus, not expected to be a prospect, and to turn that into 15 years playing professionally, parts of eight in the major leagues, a World Series championship. That's a fairy tale. So when my story ended between the lines, I was very at peace with that. What I'm impressed with is those guys within just a few years of my age are still doing it at that level. Um, It's impressive. More impressive is how they've done it, and I can't—I uh, can't think of how to measure the impact they've had on all the players that have been lucky enough to wear a St. Louis Cardinals uniform while they're wearing one, also.
2: When I think about what you do, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of amateur players, especially, to evaluate. As you kind of direct your staff in certain areas, how does an area scout on a given night decide, okay, this is where I'm going and this is the guy I'm going to look at? And maybe they see somebody else Mm -hmm. that ends up piquing their interest. But, I mean, you've got to start with, okay, I'm going to ballpark A to see player X. Yeah,
0: well, you know what? They really are the lifeblood, and they're the foundation of what they do. And although the area scout uh, job requirements or tasks have changed over time, just think in the 50s and 60s what an area scout did and how they found players is much different than the 80s and much different now when, when, when knowing the back roads of rural Mississippi might not be the key to being a scout because you now have Google Maps. And so there's a lot of different things that scouts today don't have to do that the scouts of yesterday did. That being said, uh, it, it is the area scout's job to know his territory. It's to know his network, to know his college coaches, to know his players, and to, and to filter that information in a way that allows us to get to his players and to see the better versions of his players in his list in a way with cross-check looks. And so our area scouts are vitally important, and without them, this whole thing doesn't get started.
2: You've been around Mo now for a long time in a couple different capacities professionally. What do you think fans should know about John that maybe they wouldn't know just from the sound bites they see on, on the news? <laughs> Well,
0: look, I said this in our opening comments to our scouts, I said, look, Mo released me as a player, no problem with that, and if I don't do the job here, he'll release me again. So it, it, I was trying to joke with them about saying like, look, we're all in this together. Um, but there, there's a couple things about Mo, and, and, and I don't know if the term is he doesn't get credit for it or it's not talked about, but. Just something that I've realized is how fearless he is in his decision making. You know, there's a lot of data out there to input decisions, uh, you know, a lot of waste, and, and so many of it turns into ties, per se. Uh, but he's fearless in, in making decisions, and, and look, you're going to win and, and lose some, but just think of, of even in hiring. You know, it was a fearless decision in hiring Mike Matheny, you know, fearless in leading a department into its integration of analytics uh, as, it, as it became involved in player development. and and the amateur draft before lots of teams were doing that. Um, Fearless in in hiring a scouting director you know, off the street who had not worked in a front office before. Uh, Fearless in hiring a manager who never played pro ball and has now removed the interim tag and is leading this prestigious organization. And so uh, it's something that I really admire and something that I look to grow into is to making convicted decisions with the information I have the way Mo has. Um, But the second thing that fans probably don't know is you know, the, the amount of autonomy he gives to his department heads. Um, you know, Mo's not out there scouting players. Mo trusts that, that me and our amateur scouting department are going to make the right decisions. Knowing that no one's perfect to still provide that autonomy uh, takes an extreme amount of confidence in the people he hired and the processes in place. And, and he empowers us with the autonomy uh, to run the department
2: brought in Nolan Gorman at the head of the draft class this year. That's looking like an excellent decision. Did you envision those tools that he had? Obviously, we thought that this would be the end result, but to, to see him take to pro ball
0: and perform at this level so quickly, is that irregular in, in your mind? Yeah right we, we talk about even college players you know who have have years of playing year-round summer ball and college ball uh, tiring when it comes to their first short season and so we oftentimes say look just take it with a grain of salt what they do the first few months um, out of their amateur uniform and into their pro uniform that's with college players. Well now you have a high school player who who's out of the gate has performed the way he has it's just a testament to how he prepared himself Um, and the success he had in skipping uh, the Gulf Coast League to go into the Appalachian League and and to performing at the elite level he did, um, he deserves all the credit for him having the stamina to get this far.
2: In the the brief time that I met him, he seems really even keel. How does that benefit a guy like that? Because I imagine the ups and downs of baseball being even keel's gotta
0: be a big deal. You know what, some of the best players um, that I've ever shared a locker room with have been even keel. And whether they started that at 17, like he has 18, or whether they learned that they needed to become that way in order to have success at the major league level, I'm not sure. But the fact that he has and exhibits that type of mannerisms is something that I think serves him well, um, especially for when the game will and will always humble elite ball players. And so to be able to weather that storm with an even keel manner I think will suit him well.
2: Big thank you to Randy for his time. Again, that interview was for television originally, and it airs on TV on Fox Sports Midwest through October the 6th. To find out where you can watch it, either streaming on the Internet or live over the air, just get the Fox Sports Go app and search Cardinals Insider in the schedule section. It will bring up all of the airings of the show for the rest of the week. Final episode of Cards Insider TV drops in St. Louis on October 7th. Other parts of the region, it might be October 6th. Again, Fox Sports Go app, the schedule section, just search Cardinals Insider, and you can see where it is going to air on Fox via the app or over the air. And we have affiliates across the Cardinals TV uh, viewing area. So really, anywhere that you can watch the Cardinals on TV, there is probably an affiliate carrying Cardinals Insider. That is cardinals.com slash insider to check those listings. Or you can head to the Cardinals' YouTube page or cardinals.com slash video and just hit Cardinals Insider. There's a playlist with past stories up there as well. Podcasting note, I said it at the top, but final weekly episode here for 2018. We've just had an awesome, awesome season. I've had a blast. I hope that you've enjoyed it. We've had people like Dan McLaughlin, Ben Hockman, Jason Mott, Jack Flaherty joined us uh, from spring training. That was really cool, 15 to 20 minutes with Jack. We've had Ozzy talking with Matt Carpenter or Paul DeYoung. We've had former players like Brian Jordan and Andy Van Slyke and Larry Walker. I mean, it just has been amazing to get these current and past Cardinals on, as well as a fan that had seen his first Cardinal game at, in 1936. Been sitting behind the dugout at Bush Stadium, uh, both or all three, I guess, iterations, technically, since the early 40s. And he talked about taking the streetcar to Grandin Dodier to see games as a kid, watching players like Dizzy Dean or Pepper Martin, Bob Gibson. I mean, all of these just legends and watching them live and in person. He really has sat and watched Cardinal history over the years. That was a cool episode. And we've also had, goodness, uh, Brian Bartow talking about the Cardinals coming back from Milwaukee on 9-11. I mean, all this great stuff. Colton Wong, should he win a gold glove? He talked about his defense on the podcast. It's just been great. We appreciate all those people joining us and appreciate you being part of it too because, honestly, without you, it just doesn't work. We have had listeners from four different continents. I've gotten some cool emails. I can see the stats of where people are downloading. I mean, all over the world and all the way back here to St. Louis, too, where so many of you are listening as well. Truly, you're the best fans in baseball. We know it's true in the building. I think sometimes there can be a perception that it's just a a marketing line, perhaps, uh, by people that aren't Cardinal fans. They just think that it's something we throw around. But I know that you know, and we truly do, too, inside Bush Stadium, that it's the truth, and it's one of the things that makes Cardinal baseball so incredibly special. So seriously, thank you for listening. Thank you for attending games this year. Thank you for coming and being a part of it here in 2018. With that in mind, we would love to see you next summer. The best seats in the ballpark, well, they're available with Cardinals season tickets for the 2019 season. They're on sale now. They have great seats, and they also have seats that fit any budget, really, and several different options for your schedule, too. So no matter what you've got to spend, where you'd like to sit, it's a great thing to look into. Season tickets. Be a part of it in 2019. For more info or to make a deposit, just visit cardinals.com slash season For everybody who's been involved with the program here over the last couple of months, my name is Brett McMillan. We'll talk to you throughout the winter as we drop those special episodes. Be sure to be subscribed, and then we'll pick you back up again on March nineteenth, 2019. Until then, thanks for listening. This has been the Cardinals Insider Podcast.
1: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best